Empower Radio presents Art as Worship with Vanessa Lowry. Welcome to Art as Worship. Each week we feature stories of artists and explore their process of creation. I'm your host, Vanessa Lowry, and I'm thankful that you're joining me. On this show, I talk with artists of various faiths, working in a wide range of mediums, on the common theme of how they use inspiration and creativity as an expression of their spirituality. Learn how their art is an expression of their own connection to however they name God, Jehovah, Allah, Source, the Universe, the Great Mystery, or something else. My hope is that these stories will inspire your creative efforts and your own spiritual expression. My guest today is Melanie Ryling. She's a jewelry artist that was born and reared in Mississippi, where the fairy land seems to be steeped in the eccentricities and literature of the Faulkner and Welty tradition. Love of the written word was ingrained from an early age. In her early 30s, when she came to Atlanta, she discovered a passion and a gift for public speaking and began being the spokesperson for several organizations. The freedom found in these new surroundings led to a more artistic creativity. While she will always be a storyteller and a writer, finding the more tactile art of jewelry making has enriched her life and her appreciation of the beauty this world holds. Welcome, Melanie. Thank you. Well, it's so nice to have you with us today. Well, thank you for having me. So it sounds like you became interested in jewelry a little bit later in your life. I did. Um, I started doing just the normal things that people do, making a bracelet here and a bracelet there and using beads. But um, my husband became very ill, and I did nothing creative for about seven months. And it was as if the dam broke when he got better. And I began branching out and working with natural stones. And I just found an incredible passion for it. It sounds a little strange, but they they really spoke to me. And uh, I, I fell in love with it. And as I worked, I began to develop different techniques. And uh, I really really enjoy working with the natural stones. So what are some of your favorite stones? Oh, my goodness. I love Labradorite. Labradorite is a very calming, healing-type stone. And when I work with them, it really calms me down. It's as if they speak to me. And uh, I do a lot of work with them with pearls and things that kind of bring out the luminosity. Um, I enjoy agate, and there are several jaspers that I that I like. Agate has just such a rich depth and such a variety of, of form and of fashion to them. And so do you have a favorite thing that you like to make? Well, if I'm stressed, I love to make earrings because they're kind of mindless. I can kind of do those and I have a routine and when I get through, I have 20 pair of earrings. When I'm in the mood to really be contemplative and do some things that are very creative, um, I enjoy doing pendants. I do a lot of wire wrapping and use nice crystals and some some agate and jasper and pearl to go on to those. So when you're when you're getting ready to do something that's that's creative, do you have any kind of a process that you use to kind of get into that creative space and to connect with the divine flow? It's almost as if as you're picking them out, um 
there are different stones that just kind of speak to you. So I like to get my little basket out and kind of go through them and see what speaks to me that day and what feels like it needs work. And then that speaks speaks to my soul, and I begin the process. And it's it's a very worshipful, contemplative type type process for me. So, how does your spirituality find expression in your art? I really, I really almost feel the power of the stones. I, and I feel like. If we live with intentionality, everything we do is an expression of worship. And when I can feel these stones and connect with God and connect with the earth because they're so natural and they are so vibrant feeling, I just, I can envision someone wearing what I make and feeling good, feeling good about themselves, feeling kind of connected with something that was made with love and with intentionality and created something that's unusual and not like anything else. And I, I find people really kind of sitting up taller and putting their shoulders back and it, it, is very rewarding to me to feel like I've done something that helps them feel good about themselves. And do you find that a lot of the jewelry you make is commission pieces, or do you make a lot of jewelry and then sell it at shows and that type of thing? I do some commission pieces. Um, I recently did a bracelet um, that is fire agate and moonstone and sunstone and leather, and it's all natural. There's nothing un, There's nothing artificial in it. Nothing man-made in it. And uh, that's that's a good feeling because I know the person for whom I'm making this. And that's kind of a different feeling than sitting down, which is what I normally do. I kind of do work that calls to me. And that's fun, too, because you kind of get this little scenario going in your head that someone's going to fall in love with this and think it's wonderful. And that's that's kind of a fun piece of it also. Well, I know you mentioned before we went on air that you often sell the jewelry that you're wearing because people say, oh, that's so beautiful. I do. I do. <laughs> I, I try not to wear pieces that aren't for sale because <laughs> I have people walk up and say, oh, I really love that. And I'll say, well, you know, if, if this is something that really speaks to you and you would like it. And so I sell a lot off my off my body. <laughs> Only jewelry. <laughs> Only jewelry. There you go. <laughs> You're a walking billboard. There you go. <laughs> That's great. So I'm, I'm curious how you um, find the stones that you're going to buy. I buy them from lapidaries online, and then occasionally there are gem and mineral shows that I can go to. Um, the gem and mineral shows are just that is absolutely the best way because you see them, you touch them, you feel them before you buy them. And online is a little, is a little different. Um, online is a more interesting way. Uh, most of the time when I get the stones in, 
it makes going to the mailbox have a whole new dimension. (laughs) Going to the mailbox is a real highlight. But when I get them in, most of the time they are what I expected. Occasionally they are not. And those are the interesting times because I end up with what I call my orphan stones. And those are stones that just don't have anything to say. And over time, I've learned that when I'm kind of stuck, if I will get one of those out and will work with it, I almost begin to feel sorry for it. Oh, you poor little thing. You're really not what I wanted, and you're kind of pitiful. And then I work with it, and invariably, those are the stones that sell the the quickest. And it's a reminder to me that though things do not seem perfect or up to my standards, there is still great value in them. And that's kind of a real spiritual thing. That's really powerful. So as opposed to just sending them back, you keep the orphan stones and then work with them later. Oh, absolutely. And and the first time I actually sold one, a girl at my church had wanted me to bring some small stones. And I kind of finally made myself work with this unfortunate looking little stone and I was going out the door and I stopped and I said no I need to take that too and she looked through all of the stones that I brought all of the pendants all of the necklaces and that's the one she bought wow and it was kind of as if God were saying even the things that don't match what you think are beautiful, are beautiful. And it was just a really moving experience for me. That's really powerful. So have you always had an affinity for for natural stones, or did, did that start after you got interested in creating jewelry? I've always loved rocks and things, um, and I've always loved jewelry. My grandmother, we laughed and said that she had kind of a crow to her, anything shiny, she gravitated <laughs> to. And so I, I loved shiny things, and I would collect rocks, and I love sand. And so it was not something that was a natural flow to me. But once I began working with the stones, it kind of brought back those feelings. It was kind of a kind of a connection with my earlier life when I did like rocks and gravel and and things like that. And these are kind of the perfected piece of those those kind of objects. So when you're thinking of trying a different type of idea for a piece of jewelry, um, how do you how do your ideas come to you and how do you decide which ones you're going to move forward with? Wow. (laughs) Well, a lot of times I procrastinate if I don't know how to do something. And so I tend to go ahead and buy the components. And I'll look at the components and think not today. And I'll pick them up another day and they just don't speak. And it's such a strange thing to say, but then there's a day that I just know what I'm going to do. A commissioned piece is especially difficult because you so want it to reflect the person for whom you're making it, not just your art and yourself, which is what you do when you make things to just sell. This is something that you really want 
to convey this person's personality and what this person needs. And so those are a little more difficult, but the aha moment is much more satisfying. It's, it's wow, this is the right thing. It just comes. I, I don't know how else to explain it. It just <laughs> comes. It doesn't come in a dream. It doesn't come in a thunderbolt. You just look at it and suddenly you say, I know what I need to do. Can you share a story of how creating your art has expanded your awareness of God? God and I have always had such a neat relationship. Um, we raised me pretty much the two of us on our own. And I think in being in those moments that, that I spoke of when you're doing, when I am doing something on a commissioned piece, there's no other way to explain what happens than creativity to me is the voice of God. Instinct is the voice of God. Creativity is the voice of God. And it's the act of being still and listening. And I think that happens when I'm trying to convey someone's personality in a piece. There is no explanation of how I know what to do. There's no explanation other than a divine inspiration that could ever tell me to take one of my orphan stones and do something with it so that it is more acceptable. And it's almost as if God is saying, this is good. And there's just no, there's no feeling like that to me. So did you actually take classes to learn how to make jewelry? Oh, no, I wish I had. <laughs> so you just taught yourself? I did. Um, there's this wonderful little fellow. I, I don't buy anything at the, at the Atlanta Apparel Mart very much except wires and that kind of thing. But there's this wonderful little fellow who works in a shop I go into, and I would kind of be at a crossroads and not knowing what to do, not knowing which direction. And he would just look at me and say, well, just do it. You can do this. And I would go home, and surprisingly, I could just do this. It, it made no sense how I could do this. But um, as I worked with it, and, and you can look at my earlier pieces and my pieces now, not to say at all that I am where I need to be, but you can watch the, the progress and the development of my work. And so I think maybe if I had taken classes, I might have missed some of that. Sometimes we get so myopic about where we're going that we don't allow that lateral movement that when you're just foundering around out there trying to figure out what to do that you go through. Well, and I think it's amazing. Through the show, I get to talk to so many artists, and some of them have you know, had very formal training and very extensive training. And then some of them like you have just had an interest and started doing it. And I think both are, it's such an interesting story from two different directions. Mm -hmm. You know, both, everybody's creating art, but they have either just picked it up and figured it out as they've gone along, or they've, you know, had a lot of instruction along the way and then had to kind of figure out their own 
style that went along with that? I don't think there's a wrong way to do art. I think when you're creating, there just isn't a right way and a wrong way. And I have ADD, so to try to contain me is is very difficult. And I think I probably would have gotten frustrated. So I, I think this is the only path I could have taken. So have you had anybody come to you and wanted you to teach them how to create jewelry? I've had a couple of people, and um, it just hasn't worked out, whether it was a timing issue or whatever. Um, I I think I've always felt that those people needed to pursue me. I would give them my card and say, I'll be delighted to work with you. At a lot of the um, gem and mineral shows, there are people who will see what I have on, and not just me, other people in the crowd, and they will approach us and say, I'd really like to know how to do that. And I used to try to kind of get into that and take a more proactive interaction with them. And then I found that just because you like it and you'd really like to do it doesn't mean you'd really like to do it. Right. And so I give them my card and say, contact me. And I don't hear from, from very many people that way. I think they, they get away and they think about it and they decide it's too hard or they decide it's not for them. So, But I, I'm certainly open to that. Well, and how has your art affected your spiritual evolution, or how has your spiritual evolution affected your art? Oh, I definitely, my spiritual evolution has affected my art. Um, this past year was, was kind of difficult for the people at my church. We um, lost our pastor with ALS. He also lives, lived next door to me, and so I did a lot of caregiving, and it, it was really a time when we were at a, a real spiritual development point. You know, I was about to lose my mentor, and I would just go in, and I found that I became so much more creative after I would have a discussion with him. He um, was friends of some very renowned theologians, and I had the privilege to go and sit in the den, his den, and listen to them, and you could really feel a difference in how it made me want to express what I was feeling in a very tactile, visual way. And uh, I did some of my best work after sitting and listening to um, Walter Brueggemann, who is a a world-renowned Old Testament theologian, and uh, some of the others discussing God and the different aspects of communicating with God and God communicating with them. And I think it rubbed off a little bit. That sounds really amazing. What a great conversation to be a part of. Oh, it was amazing. It was one of those times when you knew not to say anything. Better to keep (laughs) your mouth closed and make people wonder if you're not very smart than to open it and remove all doubt. So I just sat there and nodded my head and said, wow. (laughs) Well, I know that your bio mentioned that um, before you took up jewelry making that you also did a lot of speaking and storytelling. I did. So are you still interested in any of those aspects of creativity as well? I would love to do that. I I really enjoy public speaking. Um, 
I did some work. I was a narrative spokesmodel for a while, and I did some work with um, the Alta Foundation. I went around and spoke about Wheelchair Tennis Day and Wheelchair Tennis in general to raise awareness, and then I worked with um, the Paralympic Speakers Bureau, and uh, I, I love doing that. Just right now, I don't really have a venue for it, but I'm I'm always open to do that. I, I enjoy it very much. Um, back in 1996, when the Olympics were in Atlanta, that was the first time I re- was really aware of the Paralympics, and I was just so blown away by these athletes that were seconds off of Olympic times with, you know, that they didn't have feet or they... You know, they they had these major things that they'd overcome. And I remember there was an ad campaign at the time that's what your what's your excuse? And it was so powerful that, wow, really, what is your excuse when these athletes can do such amazing things with a disability? Well, you know, in the Olympics, just this summer, there was a double above the knee amputee who did not just participate in the Paralympics. He actually was in the Olympics and he was in, in the, the track. Fi- and he was in the finals. He was. And uh, I, I've had the opportunity, though most of my stuff has been with tennis, I've had the opportunity to do some uh, timing for trials um, for the track. And uh, it was not this fellow, but it was someone else when that particular type of prosthetic was brand new, just new on the market. And I was timing his lane, and he was so much faster than the rest. It was, Your Majesty, there is no second. No one came in second. This fellow was so fast. They had... um, they had another a timer on the other side, and they made us compare our times to be sure that what we had was accurate. To see the abilities in people who are considered to be disabled is just an amazing experience. That's, that's a real spiritual experience. So do you have any suggestions for people about maybe that are going through a difficult time or have a challenge that they're overcoming of how they can tap into their spirituality to help them through that? I think the old Nike saying, just do it. Find something, look through magazines. Now you can get on the Internet and find something that speaks to you and work with it. The first thing you do, if it is something creative in a tactile way, whether it's knitting or crocheting or making jewelry. Your first piece is not perfect, but neither are we. And to see your work evolve and become better and better is a way of connecting with God. It's a way of connecting with your spirit, and it's representative of your spiritual journey. And someday you will sit down because you will become better through practice. You'll sit down and you will look at your original pieces, and you will look at where you are now, and you'll just, it will be very rewarding because you will understand that it is good. The first is just as good as the last because it's a part of your journey. So have you always been interested in the tactile sensation of things? Oh, yes. I'm I'm extremely tactile. 
in everything, in my clothes, in the things around my house. I'm just extremely, extremely tactile. That's one of the reasons it's hard for me to buy clothes off the internet is because I I want to feel I, I want to feel what it feels like in the store before I take it home. Well, you have to touch it. You That's have true. to know what it feel. I mean, if I could wear cashmere twelve months out of the year, I would live somewhere I could wear cashmere. I mean, I just. That's I I love the feeling of things. I I love to that's how I pick out my stones. I'll get out the big basket and go through them and find one that just feels good. So uh, do you have a place in your home that you're able to display your stones or do you have to actually pull them out of something to to look at them? It, it varies. Um my my work is kind of like the morphing blob. It takes over here and it takes <laughs> over there and I'll think well I'll sit down and do a piece or two in the dining room and in three days my dining room looks like a display a display place it's so right now I'm trying to keep it contained uh-huh. I have my finished pieces downstairs in my shop and people can shop being a workshop type place and I have them on the displays and people actually will come and shop in, in my workshop but I really sometimes I'll just go pull the baskets out of one of the drawers and leave it out because I need to pick my next spot, my next piece. So do you, can you tell our listeners how they can buy some of your jewelry, how they can get in touch with you and buy your jewelry? I have a Facebook page, Mel Rocks, M-E-L-R-O-X, <clears throat> capitals M and R. And right now I'm in the process of setting up an Etsy site that will interface with that. Um, right now, I I will put pictures on my Facebook page. If you want something, you know, you can you can contact me. And they could contact you through your Facebook page if they wanted a commission. Absolutely. Well. Absolutely. So and Mel Rocks. Mel Rocks. M-E-L-R-O-X. Excellent. So do you um, are do you have the opportunity to create jewelry every day? I do most days. Um, I, I kind of feel like a day without doing it is is not it's not a good it's not as good a day. It uh, didn't I didn't accomplish what I could have accomplished. Do you have a specific time every day that you try to work on on your creativity? It kind of depends on what's going on that day and what I need to create. I I like evenings. I like afternoons and I like evenings. I'm not much of a morning person. I would not want Rock speaking to me in the morning. <laughs> I would not create anything that I would be happy with. <laughs> well, it's good to know yourself that well. It's um, it's a process, absolutely. Do you have any suggestions for our listeners about how they might connect their creativity with their spirituality? I think that if you just sit very quietly and think about what makes you feel good? If it's as you and I were, were talking about the the tactile feeling of your of fabric, or if something in jewelry speaks to you, or if there's this thing in the back of your mind that you kind of always wanted to paint or create, there is no wrong way to do art. And just to kind of have a time to be quiet and be open to what is going on around you 
that's when you can connect and you can begin to find. And the first thing you try may not be something that you would want to develop and want to do over time. But then again, it might be. Everything's worth trying. (laughs) Do you have an all-time favorite piece that you've created? I really do. I have, it's a, a chunk of agate and it's blue lace agate, which is very difficult to find. And, um, it's, it's wonderful. All I did was some simple wrapping and I actually glued, which I do not do very often. I glued a pearl into one of the occlusions. So you kind of look twice. It's almost reminiscent of an oyster shell, but yet it's not. And I love that piece. I love it. I wear it all the time. And is it a pendant? It is a pendant. Mm -hmm. I wear it. It's big. It's about probably three and a half to four inches long. And so with pieces like that, you pretty much either have to wear them up high on your neck. So I wear it on a, on a stiff omega, or you need to wear it low and on, I'm talking about like a 36-inch chain or something very low. So I wear it both ways, but it's it's a fun piece to wear. Well, Melanie, thank you so much for being here on the show today. Do you have any last thoughts for the listeners before we go? Well, thank you for having me. And I think the one thing that I would say to anyone who is interested in expressing their spirituality through their art is just try something. There's no perfection in art, just as there's no perfection in us. But it's a very, very spiritual experience to create something. And tell our listeners one more time how they can get in touch with you. You can get in touch with me on my Facebook, Mel Rocks, capital M-E-L, capital R-O-X. It's one word. And I will be happy to do commissioned work. I'll be happy to communicate with you. We can call each other on the phone. But that's really the best way to contact me. Melanie, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure having you in the studio. Thank you, Vanessa. I've enjoyed it. And thank you to our listeners. Um, I welcome your suggestions or comments on this or any of our shows. You can find links to all of our shows on Empower Radio and on our website, artasworship.net. Please come share your stories of art as worship on our Facebook page, which is facebook.com forward slash art as worship. Listen in next week as we talk with another artist about their creative process and how it connects with their spiritual journey. May you have an inspired and creative week. Namaste.